The goal of this podcast is to offer a platform for people to tell their personal stories about how the recent U.S. political climate has directly affected them. There may be times when you find yourself disagreeing with the opinions or experiences described on this podcast. We're not here to judge or take sides, so please listen with an open mind and heart. Welcome to Community Voices. We're listening. Welcome to the first episode of Community Voices We're Listening. Before we get started, we wanted to introduce ourselves. My name is Kayla Sykes, and I'm co-hosting this podcast with Adil Bari. So let's get started with Adil. So you're in the U.S. now, but where did you originally come from? So I was born and raised in uh, Pakistan. I lived there till I was 31, and I came here for grad school in 2014, so about three years. Awesome. So what do you do when you're not podcasting? I've been working as a transportation engineer in the D.C. metro area for just over a year. And uh, aside from uh, being an engineer, I just love sports. I play sports, watch sports, so those are my interests. Cool. So why did you choose to be involved in this podcast? Uh, I think a lot has been happening over the last two years uh, in this country and overall in the world in general. So as a non-citizen, I feel like uh, I've noticed that people have stopped listening to each other and are ready to shout over each other, uh, you know, metaphorically speaking. And it's, uh, it, it feels like uh, you know, people are not willing to uh, listen to each other as much as they used to. So I hope this podcast will give the people the opportunity, or anyone the opportunity, to provide their perspective and their stories, and even if their perspective is different from what uh, mine is. So I feel like it's time to take a step back and uh, listen to each other. Uh, and that was my intro, so enough about me, and let's talk about Kayla. So Kayla, where did you grow up? I grew up in Richmond, Virginia, and I moved to D.C. about a year and a half ago. Alright, good to know. So what do you do when you're not broadcasting? So I'm currently a transportation researcher, and I work for a consulting firm in D.C. And um, just for fun, I really like going to the movies and watching whatever's on Netflix. Oh yeah, I love Netflix. <laughs> Same here. So uh, why did you want to start this podcast? So I really think that everybody has been affected by our current political climate in one way or another. And I really wanted to find a way to have conversations with people about their lives and the issues that are closest to their heart or that matter the most to them. And I also wanted to have an ability to share those conversations with a larger audience because I think it might be able to help people. Um, And podcasting just seemed like a really good way to accomplish that goal. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. I think this is a good way to actually, you know, uh, sort of bring people together. So there we have uh, the introductions, the brief introductions of our backgrounds and uh, what led us to start this podcast. Yeah. And just to give you guys a better understanding of who we are, we took turns interviewing each other for the first two episodes. So the first episode that we're about to play you guys is me interviewing Adil about his experiences immigrating to the U.S., And then the second episode, which we're going to release at a later date, is Adil interviewing me about my background and coming to terms with my sexuality. So let's get through the first episode. When was your first trip to the U.S.? All right, so the first time I came to the U.S. was 2011, and it was about six weeks and I visited my uncle who's been in the U.S. for a lot of years. I think he came in 1974, if I remember correctly. And it was a surprise visit, honestly, because I, uh, my parents were, you know, like sort of planning this visit for a long time because it's my mother's brother who lives in the U.S., in California. 
and uh, I didn't expect my visa to go through <laughs> because youngsters from my country generally are not seen as very potentially good candidates as uh, you know like visa holders but I, I got the visa and it was out of the blue and I was uh, it had been a year since into my job so getting the, the, the time off from my job was tricky but I got it somehow and uh, it was 9-11-2011 that I entered the US <laughs> Which was Prime all sorts of, you know, like that, that's that's like a like a whole <laughs> box of stories that comes out of that. But luckily, it was there was no issue, and I was I came in and uh, I stayed for six weeks, as I said, and I visited uh, California, I visited uh, Chicago, and I visited Purdue University in Indiana. Uh, yeah, I think that's the three places I visited in that uh, in that trip, and it was. It was sort of, it was like, it sounds like cliche, but it was literally sort of life changing because I'm sitting here now because of that trip back then. Wow. That's awesome. So like, what was your first impression? Do you remember of the country as a whole or, you know, at least of California? Yeah, I think since I got to see two or three different parts of the, of the, the country, because, you know, like California is all the way in the West coast. Mm-hmm. Chicago is Midwest, Indiana is also, I think, Midwest. So, and San Francisco, Los Angeles are big cities. So it was, that experience was way different from when I visited Purdue University, which is like a college town, sort of a small town called West Lafayette. And that was sort of like a, like a game changer in the, in the sense that I visited, I think, Purdue and Stanford. Those are the two universities I visited. And at that point in my life, uh, in my job, I was sort of like not really sure if I'm in the right place. And when you're in, you, you've been, I had graduated already, uh, I think like it was four years into uh, post-graduation. So my guess was that I would be settled by then, but I wasn't. <laughs> so I came to the US and I saw the, the environment in these universities in that academic setting. And I saw my uncle who was working for, who's still working for Apple. And I saw his routine. I saw the way he, you know, like goes about his life. And I thought that what I'm doing in my life, uh, working for the railways in Pakistan, just seems very unchallenging. Well, I don't know if that's the right word, but it wasn't challenging enough. It was sort of like, you know, and I was not growing professionally, I felt, or even personally. So I thought, well what's the best way for me to actually become a better professional? So I thought, well, it might be, you know, like pursuing higher education because in my field in civil engineering, um, which is your field as well. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's sort of, uh, it's a bonus if you go for higher education. And so uh, what you asked me was what you know, like my impressions were. And I, what I saw here in the U.S. was that in my country, we all sort of, we have different ethnicities. But it's sort of, you know, like, um, we, we still are Pakistanis. But in the U.S., you have, you know, like, people from everywhere in the world. Literally, it's like, you know, it's like the melting pot of the whole world. And I saw people from South America. I saw people from Europe. I saw people from, you know, like, uh, Eastern, like, uh, Asia. And uh, countries that I have never visited. People that I've never met from those countries. And it was so great to see that you know like you're not being judged for what you look like 
and uh, that to me was went against sort of the impression that I had beforehand about the US like in the media you sort of feel like you know like because I'm brown so if I go to the US like I'll be judged that you know this guy is you know like he's not to be trusted that's the impression you know like not that I well, I subscribe to that impression but that's sort of in the back of your mind you're thinking you know like I don't know how they will treat me but it was it was fantastic and I I loved the way people were you know, like not even bothered about where you come from in the sense that they not, they were not judgmental like they were curious so um to me that felt good and the academic setting was uh, was also something which inspired me a lot it was different from my university where where I did my undergrad and i felt like you know like this is this is uh, a setting where i can possibly learn a lot more so that sort of you know like that impression left a big well that was a big you know like sort of effect on me which when i went back after 6 weeks so and i went back to my the same old job it was the first month literally was like question everything and this was uh, end of 2011 so that sort of you know like started my steps towards changing you know like i need to find ways to improve my life whether it's doing a uh, masters in pakistan or outside pakistan so that's how i you know like uh, like the the way america welcomed me sort of gave me this you know like sort of uh, road map towards changing my life wow yeah was that like a scary realization or was that something that you were excited about or both i think it was both yeah i feel like i would be kind of i'd be kind of scared to think about yeah. going to a different country and your your whole family is in Pakistan and yep. I think that's leaving your quite own family the whole family yeah and coming to I thought I think that's pretty brave actually I think it's probably ends up sounding a lot more brave than it is but <laughs> I think I it is scary in the sense that you know like it was I think the, the most scary part for me was that I was thinking about uh you know like sort of either quitting my job and coming here or either having to uh take a long leave from my job and then coming here which is sort of which because I was already uh, approaching sort of my late 20s at that point and you feel like you should be settled by then you know like <laughs> and I felt like I wasn't settled so that was definitely scary but I had a colleague in my uh, in my previous work uh, in railways and he had come to the US in 2008 for his masters and he went to University of Illinois at Urbana Champaign and i asked him about his experience and his experience was um he literally said that you know like he anything he had learned before was sort of you know like uh it seemed like incomplete and the experience here and he was here on something called the fulbright scholarship which you uh, probably haven't heard of where it is uh, where you have to go back to your own country once you're done with your masters here it's sort of like a agreement with between uh your government and the US government that you come here for uh, your specialized program and then you go back for at least 2 years to your own country and then you, you know like sort of to benefit your own country so in his case he had to go back and uh he was sort of you know like he f- fell in love with the way you know like this country works and it was difficult for him to readjust back there and uh and he and he told me that you know like if you get the opportunity if you have the motivation you should go for it so it was uh, exciting to hear his experiences and i thought well okay maybe i should go for it 
but again, you know, like the U.S. is so far away from my country that you know, like it was still it seemed like too costly and just too far away. So I had other options, and, you know, like but again, the other options were also not that close. But uh, you know, like I still was exploring, uh, going to Canada, going to the U.K., going to Australia. But uh, the U.S. has its you know, like living outside the U.S. U.S. has this you know like uh, like magnetism, which is. Uh, I mean, it's not easy to explain, but, but people, you know, like, uh, because I think you are, you've, all, all the time you've grown up, you, you see Hollywood, you see TV shows, which are, you know, like, shown all across the world, and you have this image of the U.S., and that sort of, you know, brings you, you know, like, any chance you have to come to the U.S., like, nobody will pass up on that opportunity, so that's, that's how it was for me. Like it was both scary and exciting, but I think more exciting than scary. Yeah, that's awesome. So once you figured out that you wanted to go to the U.S., was it? Did you look at multiple different schools? Like what was that kind of process? Like looking around and deciding. Like obviously, I know that you ended up at Virginia Tech, yeah. but how was how was that process? Like how do you living in your home country? How do you figure out like where you wanna? Where you want to go? Well, that's that's a great question because that is a very long process, which you know, sort of, yeah. like you have to have an understanding of uh, you know, like the way the admissions work in in the West because it's very different from the way they work in my country. So um, the first step for me was like finding the resources which explain to me how I even go about applying to the U.S. because you know, like it's a it's a different it's a country which is far away and uh, its processes are obviously a lot different from mine so I went on this uh, website called uh, Grad Cafe it was a forum <laughs> it was a forum of people from you know like different parts of the world who were applying to the US I don't know I either found it online searching or somebody suggested it to me I forgot how I found it found that website but it was it was brilliant because that was my first understanding of what the process was and this was 2012 and um, so I just started looking at it casually. And I think the first thing that was mentioned was that if you are coming from a country which in which English is not your native language, the first thing you have to do is uh, write a test called TOEFL. TOEFL is an acronym which means test of English as a foreign language. So they basically test you like, you know, like if your English is good enough, like you're That's not a complete moron. Kind of like like GRE, but... Oh, it's much simpler. So GRE oh, is sort okay. of the, the next step. Gotcha. Dofal gotcha. is just English. Okay. It's only testing you in reading, writing, listening, and uh, what's the fourth? Uh, there's another fourth section. There's another one. one, yeah, yeah. Okay. So they so basically test your basics. Yeah. Like, okay. it's, it's a very basic test. Okay. The next is GRE. GRE is based on the fact that since I'm applying for masters, or, like you know, uh, for anything beyond undergrad, then you have to give GRE. Like GRE is a prerequisite. Okay. So that's the other thing. And I looked at different people and what their experiences. And I even you know, like emailed a few universities and they said uh, it's scored out of three, 340. Like if, uh, you probably remember that. 170 and 172 sections. So you have to have a score. Uh, like any every university told me you know, like straight away that your score has to be minimum 300. If it's below 300, even if you have a fantastic application uh, other than GRE, you won't you won't be in the pile which is considered. Wow! So that was that was That's the next scary. that was the next step. TOEFL was easy for me, luckily, because I come from a country which is a British colony, 
So we learn English from a young age. Not in all schools, but in my school, luckily, I, I learned English at, at a young age. So TOEFL for me was relatively easy. GRE was a, was a beast because I was working full time and then I had to prepare for the GRE. So doing both of those things at the same time. So that was difficult. Man, yeah, I, I don't know how you did that because I took the GRE and was doing like the English part. Right. And I had to study those vocabulary words because I didn't know what they were. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I don't know how, like, I made flashcards and stuff, and there's, like, things that, like, words that I'd never heard say. of, and I was born here. So, like, <laughs> I don't know how. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> I think that, that's, that's to me, is so funny because, you know, like, if, if a native English speaker, I think, tells me that I've never heard of those words... Then that is insane to me. That no is one insane. uses but that is, those words. But I think when I came here, then I realized it's not that insane because you know, like those are words which are sort of you know, like, who uses those words now? So no one does. I like I was scared about. I I'll be honest. It was a scary section, and I just got a score which was good enough for me to have an overall score which was good enough to be you know like to be considered for a, for uh, for admission here. But that is a tough exam, and the good thing though is that it sort of gives you a sense of what you should expect once you are in grad school in the US because it's sort of like mm. a preparatory exam because it's it focuses more on your mental and your critical thinking abilities which I felt I didn't get enough uh, exposure to in my undergrad in Pakistan. So GRE is sort of like a good way to uh, give you a sense of whether you'll be good enough to you know, survive in that environment because, you know, like grad school is not for everybody. Not that I'm boasting yeah. that I went to grad school, but I mean, no, it's, that's true. it's sort of like, you know, it, it, it gives you, uh, <laughs> it questions everything in life because, you know, like even, but I think I'm getting ahead of myself. So this was sort of like the first step to, you know, like uh, getting admission here. The next step was writing something called a statement for purpose. I, I'm sure you went through the same process. It's sort yeah. of like explaining to the admission committee or I whoever no is I have no idea to, what I said. Yeah, I, I mean, no I was like, what, what should I do here? <laughs> and uh, again, on that forum, people had been saying that, you know, you should... It, it varies based on your background. So if you are somebody who's straight away going from undergrad into grad school, so your SOP, as they call it, the acronym, the SOP will be different because, you know, like your aspirations are different. In my case, it was completely different because I was, uh, I had been working for the last three, four years. And then I was thinking of switching into grad school. So then you have to justify why do you want to go into grad school? So then, of course, I had to, you know, like I was talking to people left, right and center. Okay, you know, like give me ideas. What should I write here? And uh, I was lucky to find some, a couple of good sources. Uh, one was... Uh, uh, one of my cousins uh, who, who actually teaches English. So she helped me quite a oh, lot. Perfect. <laughs> so she, she gave me ideas about structuring. And my other friend who works in the railways who went for Fulbright scholarship in the US. So he also went through the same process and he gave me ideas about how should I explain because his experience was similar because he had worked for four or five years before he went to the US. So that was the next process. Then of course you have to provide at least two or three letters of recommendation. To the right. university. Yes. So then you have to find two or three people who are willing to recommend you. <laughs> so I was, you know, like I was lucky that I've been working three, four years, and uh, two of my recommendations came from my bosses, 
and uh, they were generous in their recommendations. <laughs> and the third one was my advisor from undergrad who provided a recommendation. So tracking them down and then, of course, writing the actual, you know, like sort of recommendation and you know, asking them to write the recommendation. So that was another time uh, commitment. And um, so finally, with the, all that application package ready, then you send it off to all the all the universities. And what I didn't realize was every university has like at least a $60, $70 fee, <laughs> which converted oh to my boy. currency is a lot of money. Well, even here, is, I think it's a decent amount of money. Yeah, and my, yeah. you know, like converted to my currency, it was like, you know, I'm like ripping through my bank account right now. <laughs> so I, I applied for five, you know, two, five universities okay. and I was accepted by two, rejected by three. And the first response I got after applying was actually rejection. And I was like, how, Man. how long down the line was that? Do you remember? So, because I applied initially for spring semesters. Mm -hmm. So that was the, the deadline for international students to apply for a spring, a spring semester in most universities is uh, end of August. So I sent in all my applications by mid-August, I think, uh, 2030. Uh, the first response I got was, I, if I remember correctly, was uh, early October. I was actually okay. Purdue University, which I had visited. Wow. And my brother had spent like two semesters or you know, like, uh, uh, like he couldn't complete his course in the U.S. So he had to go back. So it was sort of you know, like I was really looking forward to hearing back from Purdue, but they rejected me. And that was the first oh, reply I got, like yeah. two months almost, or like a six weeks, seven weeks. And that was, you know, like the, the most nerve wracking time because I had already made up my mind of quitting my job because I was not satisfied at all. And the first rejection I got, like the first university replied was a rejection. I'm like, man, what do I do now? Like, what's going to happen now? Luckily, 10 days after that first rejection, Virginia Tech was the next one to reply oh, nice. and when i read that email which said you know like congratulations you have been accepted oh just that was... need that first word oh yeah i didn't <laughs> even bother to re read the the rest and i took it to you know i showed it to my brothers and my my parents and i was oh, like man it was that was you know like that those 10 days <laughs> or like the extreme emotions that you can go through yeah so uh i think it was yeah it's 17th october i still remember 17th october was the date when i got that email and a few days later, I got the the hard copy of that letter, the acceptance letter, and that was that felt like uh, I had achieved something, even though it was just the admission, and the rest of the process had come later. Because when you get the admission, so now you are in a position to apply for a visa. Yes. <laughs> so you know, like it's, you can't just go. You can't just oh. you know, like buy a ticket to the U.S. and just say like, I'm I'm here. <laughs> I'm here for you know, like, uh, for my uh, grad school. <laughs> so that's the next, because you know, when you apply for a visa, you have to provide a justification. Why are you applying for a visa? Is it a tourist visa, which is a separate category, which was the category I used when I came in 2011, because I was just visiting. I mean, my only purpose was sort of like, you know, visiting my uncle and visiting the country. So that's a different category. So that okay. process is less uh, nerve wracking because you just have to sort of justify why you are visiting the U.S. Is there like a maximum amount of time that you can stay? Yes. To be considered a visit? Uh, you, it's up to them how long they, so they give you two types of visas. At least to, in Pakistan, you either get a single entry visa, which is for six months. Like you get the visa for six months. It's eligible for six months, valid for six months um, from the date they issued it. 
which means that you can visit once within those six months. Okay. And uh, if, if you you know surpass that limit that they've given you, then you are that it's gone. It's invalid. Okay. And the other the second type is the multiple visit visa, which is uh, which is given for five years, starting from the date you get that uh, visa. They issue the visa. Multiple uh, entry means you can come in and go back as many times, but every visit has to be maximum six months from the date of entry. Like the day you enter like the, the, the customs at the airport, JFK or whichever airport it is, O'Hare, from that date you are allowed to be in the US for six months. You have to exit. But that's the visit visa. Okay. So this one, once I got accepted to Virginia Tech and the, the, a few days later I got the acceptance from uh, University of Iowa. So I had the option between the two. So then you are, then you are eligible to apply for F1 visa, uh, which is a student visa. Okay. So that is a different process. So you have to show your, you know, like financial status. You have to show your, well, you actually have to show your fi- financial status even for the visit visa, but it's not as important. In this case, you have to provide just you know, like sort of like a proof that the cost of one year of study in the U.S. you can afford. Even if you okay. are not going to spend that money because you might get a citizenship or you might get a sort of like a, you know, like a, any kind of a, you know, like uh, not a loan, but you know, like in the universities, you can get an odd job or something. So aside from that, you have to justify or you have to prove that you have enough money in your bank account that you can survive at least one year in, uh, in the US. And every university has sort of a different amount. So uh, that obviously, you know, like once I had the acceptance, then I had to apply for the visa. But unfortunately, my uh, organization, Pakistan Railways, was not very keen on letting me go. So I missed the chance to, like you have to be here uh, before, at least two or three weeks before your classes start. And they had not given me any, you know, like leave or they weren't even ready to accept my resignation like it was end of December. So I had to apply for the visa, but they were not willing to do that. So I had to defer my admission. Luckily, every university allows one semester to defer your admission without any consequences. Like you can just, your admission stays. So they said, yeah, you can come in fall 2014 instead of spring 2014 okay. so, so you didn't have to like reapply or no anything i didn't like have that. to go okay. through any other process so, nice. because i had i checked with them because otherwise it would have been horrible yeah pay oh my everything gosh. again go through all that everything, again you know, and then again be uh, you know like your application will be judged again right so luckily they said no your admission stays for one whole year so you can come in fall 2014 so finally i think it was like uh I will, if i remember june 2014 that i was uh, like you apply to the u.s embassy in your country, whichever country you are in, and they give you the date for interview. Like they will see your application and they'll say, okay, you can come into the embassy on this date at this time and we'll, we'll interview you. So finally it was June 20th, 2014, that I went to a different city. Like it, uh, we don't have an embassy in my city. Oh, so, so I had to drive to for four hours oh, wow. to the capital of my country, Islamabad, to uh, give the, uh, the interview. And you have Were to be you there. Scared? Oh, that was, yeah, that was scary because you can hear people be interviewed. It's like, you know, like you have bank, mm. like you have, you know, uh, cashiers at the bank. Yeah, you have yeah, different yeah. booths. So it was the same as that. And you're sitting in that, uh, in that lobby and you have these booths all around you <laughs> and you're listening to people and their interviews. And often enough, you will hear somebody, you know, like uh, the, the counselor officer will say, I'm sorry, but your visa is rejected. 
or your application is rejected. And I'm sitting there thinking, man, if at this point I've already left my job, I have my admission in the bag, university, you know, like every wants me there. What if I, you know, like they reject my visa? So that was, you know, like, and the wait was uh, because you know, like, the U.S. always has so many people coming in, so the wait is like the the waiting line is long. So I had to wait for at least, I think it was like uh, more than an hour, but it literally felt like I don't know, like days <laughs> that I was sitting there. I bet. So that's a long wait. That is a long wait. People complain about the DMV because oh yeah, have waits like that. Yeah, I've had that experience Oof. too. It's, oh yes. <laughs> It's, it's, it's like the length is the same, but <laughs> probably not, not as nerve-wracking as yeah. getting a visa. It's an interview. And of course, yeah. you know, like when you go into the embassy, you have to, you know, like it's almost the same as the airport, like in, in the US. Oh, yeah. You have to take off your shoes, take off your belt. Oh, so it's like security. Yeah. I guess that Even makes the, within sense. Within the US embassy, you have to, you know, like just you take off your watch, everything. Like that's also nerve-wracking because, you know, the, I didn't the think about that. process. Yeah. So, um, so you first go through that and then you go in then you sit down then they first the first thing they do is you know like they call you up for uh, biometrics like your fingerprints and uh, your picture i don't know what else they check but yeah, all fingers and everything um then you go back into the waiting room then you wait for the interview luckily for me once i got up and the scary part was the, the person who was interviewed just before me from that same uh, counselor officer was the way I heard it was for a student visa, or maybe it was a different visa, but there was the guy was about the same age as me, and he had an interview which lasted at least half an hour, and he was rejected in the end. Like after the half an hour interview, he was still rejected. Half an hour interview. Yes, back and forth. You know, like okay, what, wow. like when you were working there, what was that like? This and that. I'm like, man, that's a lot of questions. And he was rejected in the end. Wow. And they don't give you a reason. They just say that it's, I'm sorry. I was going to ask if he knew why. Nope. They just say that that's I it. think you can appeal it. My guess is you can appeal your decision. Okay. And then they give you a reason. But at that point, they just tell you that, you know, they hand you back the passport. And they say, sorry, we can't, you know, give you a visa. Man. And of course, you know, like you have a, like a, like a receipt which says your number, like, a, uh, then it came up and then I'm the one so next. So they do call your same. number. It is yeah. like the DMV. Oh man. It was like, <laughs> but man, way worse. Then I'm walking up oh, no. and I'm trying to stay calm. And, yeah. Uh, so outside, well, I, I guess you calm. don't want to look nervous either. Yeah. You don't want, yeah. like your body language could... makes a difference. But doesn't that make you a little even like more nervous if you know, <laughs> like they're, they're kind of yeah. looking to see. If I think you're sweating. <laughs> I think this this sort of feel like uh, they 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 are definitely checking if you're sweating. Luckily, I wasn't sweating, <laughs> but uh, there's there are some people who are sort of they get so nervous that it's almost like you can see that they are uneasy, and they're definitely checking that. I was uneasy, but I think I have sort of enough control that I don't look like I'm very nervous. <laughs> That's what I do with presentations. I think yeah. generally, I try not to look nervous. <laughs> so. Uh, I went up and this girl was, uh, you know, like, uh, she was fairly young. So that was a bit, you know, makes you feel a bit more comfortable. And she, you know, like, uh, luckily my interview lasted, I think, was five minutes. Not a very long oh, interview. Oh, wow. Maybe okay. even less than that. Yeah. And she only asked me, uh, like, four or five questions. And she never asked for any additional proof or any documentation. Because sometimes they ask more documentation. And I think... Um, we actually had a very funny conversation too because uh, I think she asked me, she had been to Virginia, not to the university, but Virginia in general. And she said, you know, like, uh, you're going to a nice place. And I'm like, well, thank you. That's good to know. 
and oh, wow. that's something I remember. Like you know, she was uh, like excited to hear that I'm going to Virginia Tech, <laughs> and then she said, of course, you know, like uh, I think that that's all we need, and uh, you will get your visa within your passport with the visa within five days. And I literally Oof. got the the visa in five and days. And then you skipped out of there. <laughs> oh man, I was like, man, that's once what she a said, relief. Like, now you got uh, your admission. Yes. And you have your visa, so you can actually go. You, like you have, like the, again, the the strange thing is that the visa does not guarantee admission. Like it's it is something which gives you the right to go to the U.S. or the privilege to go to the U.S. But they can reject you at the, at the airport, and they they can say you know like we f- don't think that you are the right for whatever reason. If wow. they find find something which is you know like uh, because it recently happened to somebody, my friend's cousin, who was a, who uh, was uh, admitted for a PhD, got the visa, came to the airport, and he was sent back from the airport. Oh my goodness! What know, else can you do? I don't know what uh, like what. <laughs> else they find like because the the visa process itself wow. is already pretty intense it is yeah so um but it happened so but again that was a major hurdle which was taken out of the out of you know like consideration and <laughs> i remember my brother was kept telling me because i have a habit of uh, uh, like growing a beard every now and again <laughs> he kept telling me you should be make sure you're clean shaven when you go to the embassy <laughs> Like, man, I'm not going to clean shave just because I'm going to the embassy. <laughs> and then, of course, uh, like when I was flying to the U.S., I again had a beard. And he kept telling me, you know, like, shave, shave, shave. I, maybe they'll, you know, like, see your beard and they'll send you back. Oh, my gosh. Man, I, like, I, if they do, well, that's unfortunate. But hopefully they won't. So there's yeah, all, all these that's considerations. That's crazy that that's something that oh, it's a big consideration. to think about. If yeah. you come from the Middle East or if you look Middle Eastern, then, you know, like, people always tell you if you're going to the US or you're going to the like any western country they always tell you make sure you're clean shaven like you know if you, they see a beard they might say that you know like this guy hmm does he have wow. an affiliation with you know like any terrorist organization yeah just because he has a beard so yeah that's a, that's a big deal but i think it's become less and less uh, of an issue after like because 9/11 has you know like been so many years now but right it used to be uh, sort of like a big consideration when you're coming to the U.S., but uh, yeah, that was the, June 2014 was finally when I felt like, okay, yeah, the process is, the plan is in action now, because I had already sort of, you know, like, because I had a very uh, sort of, what's the best word I can use, like, my organization was not willing to uh, sort of uh, give me a long leave of absence, and they were not willing to accept my resignation, so I just quit. So it, it was a very, uh, you know, like, uh, I would say the the way I ended up uh, quitting my organization meant that I was in no position to go back to the that job right. in case anything didn't go to plan. So basically, you, this was like your shot. Like this yes. is what you were what I had burned my counting. previous board. I, it was yeah. like, you know, like this, uh, I either reach the shore or I sink. So I luckily You're got the visa. You're counting on this to work out. Yeah, the, the visa. Wow. Getting the visa was you know, like critical at that point because I think know, that that's probably true for a lot of people yeah. trying to come from a different country. Like this is their shot, and I think that that's a lot of pressure. Yeah. A lot of stress, true. and I think there's some things that you can control in the process, and some things that you can't. Like maybe mm. that guy before you, like he was denied, and I know you don't know the reason, but mm-hmm. he may have been in the same boat as you, where he had 
a university lined up and he had yeah. to defer or he had, if he had already deferred like you, then I guess that means he would have to apply again. So there it's I, a, I think for his case is even worse because if you are deported, that's, that shows up on your profile in the future. So reapplying is not easy, man. Wow. Because yeah. reapplying means that it, they will see that you were deported and then your background check will be even more strict because wow. that's, that's something, you know, like you hear a lot these days that, you know, like, especially with the new administration that, you know, like people are coming in and uh, we need uh, extreme vetting or something. Well, I think if any visa, you, you, anytime you want to come to the U.S., you are, you go through a decent amount of vetting, especially if you come from my part of the world. I mean, they check a lot. It's nobody's just going to show up at the embassy and they'll give you, they're not handing out visas as a charity there. <laughs> so it's, that that doesn't right. happen here so uh i think like in his case like it, that is much worse than being re- than your visa being rejected because deportation means that there was something even worse than you know, like rejecting your visa can sometimes be just a simple case of that your finances were not up to the what we need yeah, what, what your university needs deportation means that it was not the university, you already were accepted and the financial aspect is covered because the visa, the embassy give you the visa. That means at the port they found something which was sort of you know, like uh, unexpected and uh, I don't know if they tell you the reason uh, because I don't know him personally but right. I would love to know what, uh, what was the reason and uh, reapplying in his case would be m- much more tricky because you're sort of I don't know technically or legally what they do, but you, I feel like it's almost being blacklisted wow. because deportation is a big deal because deportation is, yeah. is not a small thing. Like you are being deported because you're not considered worthy, which means they found something. Hmm. But in his case, I don't know. Uh, I mean, like, uh, are they just, and this was recent, like this was this year and uh, I've almost never heard of cases where students were deported. Like you have, you hear of cases where people who are coming here on a visit visa but they find once they try like reach the, the airport uh, in the US they find that you know this guy might have other motives behind like he say he's saying he's coming here just for a visit but he might just f- be here for some other reason that's understandable but if you are here on a student visa and your university considers you good enough your embassy will clear you then that is your purpose and uh, that's a lot more stringent the process but i don't know i mean it's it's something which is uh i think happening which ha- has happened this year quite a lot i mean the travel ban and everything but that's an, another can of worms <laughs> yeah i do i think that that probably has a lot to do with why like i wonder if he was traveling in a different year or something when all this wasn't happening and all this controversy hasn't been mm-hmm. you know kind of hasn't started i guess then i wonder if it would have been a different situation for him i don't know absolutely who knows yeah it could have been very different mm-hmm. but yeah luckily i i gave entered on 4th august 2014 at jfk in new york city <laughs> and i had no issues thankfully it was like you know the, like they just it was a routine because even at the airport they do check you know, like you check your passport they check your documentation, uh, the forms that you have with the university. And uh, like if they find anything at that point, so they can question you, 
even if they do let you in they can question you take you to a room interrogate you for uh you know like it's up to them hours minutes whatever they want to do has that ever happened to you at the airport no. mm-hmm. well domestically i was not detained but i was sort of you know asked once that you know like uh like i was traveling from kentucky to back to virginia and this guy asked me uh are you carrying something which can be used as a weapon mm-hmm. i was taken to one my you know, like he took my bag to one side and he called me over and he the first question he asked me was are you carrying anything which can be used as a weapon so it might be something they ask everybody but being the way i am and this was just you know a few months ago in this environment so uh it was you know like didn't feel really no, that good so that seems pretty scary so yeah that's <laughs> that's the only time that i felt like whoa uh, what was that question so uh yeah. other than that yeah i've been lucky that you know like it's been uh, i've never had to face anything uh unpleasant Well, know. that's good. Hopefully, it's safe stay that, that way. way. Yeah. yeah. I think it will. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully it will. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows the future. <laughs> True. So basically then you got in you got into Virginia Tech, you came over here for grad school, and then you were on the student visa yes. for throughout your duration of grad school. Yep. And yep. then and then can you talk a little bit about the transition between like once you graduated grad school? Mhm. then you're no longer a student. Right. So now you have to get a work visa. Yes. So how does that transition happen and what are, you know, what are the rules there? So it's not technically so once you graduate, uh it's it's not a work visa. It's more like a it's like a document that you, they provide you. So if you as soon as you graduate, um so you're done being a student. You're still on student visa status, but you are not a student. So what you have to do is that uh, you're given I think either 30 or 60 days after the date of your graduation uh to apply for a uh what's called a work permit. The 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 technical name is employment authorization document EAD as they call it but in simple words it's just a work permit. So you have to do that uh, but if you want to get that well in time you should apply at least um two or three months before your graduation. so that the because the processing takes time and every year obviously there is thousands of people who are applying for this work permit so the processing can take a long time and if you apply late then you miss the chance so i applied uh, about a month before i graduated and uh, i got my so i graduated in may 2016 and finally in july 2016 i got my work visa which took overall about 3 months or i think 2 and a half months and once you have the document in your hand then you are given 90 days to get a job so the date you get your work permit you are on so another countdown starts no pressure no pressure none yeah <laughs> so and especially <laughs> if you're not a citizen finding a job is obviously like it's oh, piece yeah. of cake oh yeah it's easy who, yeah. who who who's who's got a problem with that <laughs> so luckily in my case i wasn't in a, in any sort of like a like a nerve-wracking situation because i my job uh, i got a job before i graduated and the company was very supportive they said even if you start in say july we don't mind that because we can wait we are in, not in a rush so I, in my case i already had a job i just waited for the work permit and started my job in most cases um what happens is and i think we know a mutual friend who went through this uh sam so like you get your work permit and 
you are straight away the government starts and if those 90 days can be very very tough because you have to be you know like uh, active but on the other hand in the back of your mind you're thinking what if i don't get anything and i have to go back and uh, not that you know like necessarily like for everybody like going back is not a bad thing but you know like for example in my country the economy is not that strong right now so the job market is not that good so um so going back would have been a, a a tough challenge especially if you like you know you stay here then you want to get experience here as well so um that process of course you know when you apply for that actual work permit you st- again have to do go through a lot of paperwork it's not as if you just you know like send your name and your details to us immigration and they will just send you the work permit <laughs> you have to get a letter from your advisor in in grad school that this guy it has knowledge and has the skills to work here your university gives you a letter of recommendation that this guy has completed his education here they send your uh, transcript to us immigration they send your uh, degree to the uh, us immigration or so not the degree but it's sort of like pre like it's a degree before you actually graduate it's sort of like okay. evidence that you know, like you will graduate very soon because i you have to apply before graduating so that's what you send then you send it because it's an application for $500 or something or oh, no i don't know what the cost was $200 maybe you have to pay yeah. that too and <laughs> that's uh, deep oh it is you know like and especially for a grad student who already is broke right <laughs> like you have no money <laughs> what grad spend more has money on getting a work permit yeah <laughs> so yeah exactly uh, I, I don't know the exact amount i forgot the exact amount but it's something like that 200 or wow whatever it is so you have send that sort of like money order with your application and um i might be forgetting something but yeah it's a lot of paperwork that you send and then of course you are not guaranteed that you will get the work permit obviously like right. you can pay that money it's not refundable like i'm you, learning that nothing in this process is guaranteed yeah <laughs> even when you have your visa yes. it's still not guaranteed yeah it's still like they will still say in a small font <laughs> like there is no guarantee here <laughs> So, yeah it's right. it's it's insane but you know like again luckily just keep a healthy stress level at all times <laughs> stay on your toes yeah stay on your toes yeah you should always <laughs> expect the unexpected so uh in my case luckily yeah i mean the, it, it went through and uh, and i got the july 11th was the date i got my work permit and i started my job uh, you have a great memory of dates Yes, especially these kinds of dates. <laughs> yeah. And I I think I I want to I like to brag that I have a photographic memory, which I don't know I have it or not. <laughs> I think I feel like you do. But I I'm I think I'm selective photographic memory. <laughs> it's not in all across the board. That's good. But yeah, yeah. it's same space. Yes. I need uh, stuff for other you know like things, Netflix yeah. or Oh yeah, Netflix, yeah. Space That's number 1 right. really. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I think it's uh How do you think we got through grad school? Yes. <laughs> That's that's one thing which I I think I you still have to pay for that but I was thinking I think I'll pay for that because yeah. otherwise I won't survive. <laughs> exactly. I'll go mad. Exactly. Yeah, that was I think that was sort of like, you know, finally I have everything on track here and I have a work permit and I can, you know, relax and do my job now. So, for for about a year that went well. Yep. And then what happened? <laughs> <laughs> So it's it sounds like a like a rant now you know like what we're discussing here so yeah it's uh, so so if you want to stay in the US because you are given one year after your graduation to work in the US depending on which field you are in but if you are in a STEM field you can stay longer 
but that's again that's a different story altogether so one year is to keep it simple for you are so 11th july 2016 i get my work permit that is uh valid till 11th july 2017 so if i want to stay further in the us i have to apply for either a green card which is like permanent resident becoming a permanent resident through your employer which is not easy because you know like no employer will sponsor you for a green card just in within one year because they're, they're still assessing you obviously the other option you have is something called an h1b visa h1b is uh, it's like a work permit for extended work permit for a non-immigrant and uh, it allows you to stay in the u.s for three years minimum and it is uh, h1b is always through your employer like it's a employer employer sponsored visa so um, since I wanted to stay in the U.S., so I applied for the H-1B, which is always done early, the first quarter of every year. So I applied for that application. Is, again, requires paperwork and you have to, uh, you know, like hire an attorney. Luckily, my firm is big enough that it can afford attorneys. So they hired attorneys on my behalf, immigration attorneys. So that's and, not out of your pocket. No. Right. Okay. Luckily, cool. the, it was a $5,500 uh, expense which includes your attorney fee which includes your application fee even the application fee itself is like fifteen hundred dollars i think mm. just the paper is fifteen hundred dollars wow. applying for that like it's two pages which cost you fifteen hundred dollars so <laughs> those pages i don't know what they're made out of gold i don't know what they're made out of <laughs> well, so, i guess that explains why most of the companies that hire international students mm-hmm. or you know international employees citizens. in general yeah, yeah. are bigger companies because they pay like these these they can fees, afford i guess it. right yeah i mean okay. because you know most of the silicon valley companies hire a lot of indians yeah because they for them this 500 dollar expense is pocket change i mean they are million billion dollar companies so for them paying this expense is no big deal but that also kind of um limits you a little bit too like when like you were saying you had you know a certain amount of time when you graduated nine months you said Yes. Is that right? When you graduated to find a job. No, not nine months, uh, 90 days. 90 days, that's yeah. what it was. Three yeah, months, yeah. almost three months. Yeah, so three months. Yeah. So you had three months to find a company, not only that's within, that yes. does, you know, could hire you in your field. Right. In what you studied, but also Could potentially pay. sponsor you in the future. Could potentially sponsor you, yeah. Okay. Because the U.S. government has a list of companies which are eligible to sponsor non-citizens okay not every company is allowed to do that so if you end up doing a job for a company which is not on that list then after that your work permit is uh, invalid or it's expired then you're done they they cannot legally sponsor you wow so you have to either switch your status to something else if you want to stay or you just have to go back so um in my case uh, uh, like uh, i work for a company which is on that list and they have enough of a revenue where they can afford to pay the H-1B expense. So my supervisor was very supportive because the H-1B process has to be through your supervisor too because you are sort of saying to the U.S. immigration authorities that, you know, the job I'm doing is, number one, it's relevant to my field, what I did. So uh, number two, my company is uh, satisfied with my performance, that they want to keep me here because that's you have to sort of, you know, like provide both proofs, whichever way they are provided. So uh, I was lucky enough that, you know, like uh, my supervisor is happy or was happy with my performance and 
well, is happy, not was happy. <laughs> so it's you know, like she she was willing to uh, you know like provide any documentation. So I applied for it. Then H one B, the first step in H one B visa, getting an H one B visa is a lottery. You sure do a lot of applying. Yeah, I think like <laughs> half the time you're just applying. <laughs> yeah, just signing papers. And it's not. And it's never a, a single phase. It's always multiple oh, yes. phases. <laughs> then so H one B again, you know, like <laughs> because H one B visas are limited every year. It's not unlimited. Like green cards are unlimited. H one B every year is eighty five thousand people or visas. The number of applicants on average is like close to two hundred thousand people who apply. So it's like you know almost forty percent of those people are you know like getting. But the first step is um, they they have a lottery, so you have this pool of two hundred thousand applicants, but they have a lottery which is obviously random, and they pick out applications out of that. If your application it has been accepted, obviously the first step is your application is good enough and it's been accepted. It's in that pool of two hundred thousand, two hundred fifty thousand uh, applications, so they pick out random uh, eighty five thousand applications, and if you get in, that means that you are into the second phase. And the second phase is that your application will now be uh, sort of more closely processed or looked at. The first step was just, I think they just do a basic check. I don't know what they do, but it's not a, like, a, like a thorough check. The second process, if you are selected in that lottery, because it's a, it's a two in five chance, like, you know, because if, for example, it's 200,000 people, 85,000 uh, visas, that means almost like just over 40% chance that you will get in. So luckily, I got, my name was selected in the lottery. So the next step, until 2016, like the previous year, it was a formality. Like once you have been selected in the lottery, your application being accepted is a mere formality. Like unless they find something extremely uh, unusual, then they might reject it. That they have, you know, like they found a link or whatever it is, like something which is very dodgy. Otherwise, Every person out of the 85,000 gets their H-1B visa. And uh, this year, all of a sudden, in late July or mid-August, people started getting these um, uh, sort of these, uh, so they call them RFEs. Uh, RFE stands for Request for Evidence. That they are asked for more evidence, more proof that, you know, uh, your application, to justify your application. So I got one too. And it was supposed to be finalized by September 30th because that's when my work permit was expiring. But uh, they sent me an RFE on, uh, I think it was end of August, last week of August. And my attorney finally replied to that in early October. So my status has already expired. And, but since it's not my fault and it's it's there, it's a delay on their end. So even though I have no status, but I'm not an illegal right now, but uh, kind of so, in limbo a little. Yes, I'm. Yeah. I have no status right now. Like right. I'm not illegal. I'm not legal. I have. I'm not on student status. I have no work permit right now. So I'm technically employed and I'm unemployed. Right. <laughs> so I'm. I'm simultaneously employed and un- unemployed. Like my company <laughs> wants me to work, but legally I cannot work. So you know, like that's like you know, like U.S. immigration magic. So. Uh, <laughs> Right now, my application, I, I provided that additional proof that they needed, justification that they needed. And they're re- reviewing my application again. And they are now supposed to uh, respond or give a final decision by early next month. Hopefully. Hopefully. And yeah. Hopefully no more delays. Be. 
and yeah again uh, I, uh, what they say again is that there is no guarantee that we might we might need more evidence <laughs> so it's not like yeah. you never ask for evidence Never once. a guarantee <laughs> so it might be something <laughs> that they'll say okay that's good but we need another thing so right. but hopefully you know like if they are satisfied with my um, response um, then they will accept my application the worst case scenario is they will reject my application and that will send me into well that will technically make it you know like uh, that then I'll be I'll have to leave the US in the next 30 or 60 days or something like that unless I appeal because again that process is my attorney has not yet disclosed what that process is he wants to wait for the decision See if or something you need it, I guess yeah so um, okay. but there is an appeal process if that that's what I've heard, yes. Yeah, that okay. you can appeal your rejection in an H-1B visa or technically any visa, but um, there is no, again, like it, you can appeal it, but they might ha- end up with the same decision again. So right. uh, it's it might give you more time, but again, because you are in no status at that time, so you're not working, in that, so it, it might it will still be a pretty uh, bad situation to be in. And but, I assume there you can only appeal it once, I would assume. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I don't think like yeah. if they Otherwise come you up could just keep, you know, delaying your, you know, stay here. Yeah. So they, exactly. I don't think you can multi like there's no multiple appeals. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's only once. Well, let's hope it doesn't get there. Yes. I, I mean so. that's that, that's the work, worst case scenario. Yeah. So I want to be make sure that I'm still doing the podcast a few months from now. Yeah. Exactly. Hey, <laughs> so me that too. Would, <laughs> that doesn't work good. as well over Skype, so. Yeah, that would might be a, a lot more difficult. I'll just tell them that. Yeah, it's like, no, no, I need him here, so... Yes, sorry. I should have uh, added that in my response. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I, I think there should be an addendum now. I know. Yeah, send that in. That should help. Let's see why. But <laughs> my hopefully. opinion should help. <laughs> yes. Yes. An American wants me here, so that should that should count. <laughs> I just needed one American, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. So hopefully that will work. <laughs> but yeah, but, so I guess in the meantime, while you're waiting for it to be whenever they feel like updating it for you. You yeah. it, it kind of sucks honestly because yeah. you you can't work. Mm-hmm. So you're not making money right now. Yep. Your rent doesn't stop. The so expenses that, are have, have not paused. You still the need job is you paused. still need water, I assume. What running water and a, a little <laughs> bit of food. Some yeah. food, yeah. Yeah, sometimes I eat. Yeah. Sometimes I have to drink. Oh, and then the other thing that kind of sucks, that really sucks, is that your driver's license is not good right now. Right? Any legal, like, government-issued ID or any government-issued so, like, document you get. Passport, no The only, only thing that I have valid right now is my country's passport. Wow. So if somebody on the street asked me randomly, you know, like, you know, for example, if ICE, you know, like, they've been in the news quite a lot lately. Oh, yeah. So if they come up to me and say, you know, like... Uh, Please provide your you know, legal documentation. The only thing I have right now is my passport, which is valid. That's it. Because anything the government issues in the U.S. is only valid till the date of your status, visa status. So that was 30th September. So beyond 30th September, nothing uh, that I have is uh, valid. Not my license or any other document that was issued. Well, to me, it was the only the, the driving license, which was obviously a, a great convenience so it's yeah. that is pretty frustrating not to have the license, even though I've been driving for the last uh, nineteen years. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I mean, it's pretty. Uh, they pretty much strip you of everything. Like yes, you can't work, you can't drive. I mean, what else? You is can't there, even leave. You know? Well, I mean, th- it's not that they're stopping you from leaving the country, but yeah. if I, for example, I decide okay, so in this meanwhile, I'll just you know like 
if, if I could afford it, obviously. Like if I would say, I'll go back to my country for a few weeks and then I can come back. Nope. Because as soon as I exit, uh, they will say, well, if he's exited, I mean, he's not even serious about this application so that we should just simply reject it. Wow. So Which is, is that... I don't know if that's like part of is that maybe that was part of the reason why your family came here instead of you going there or was that happening at a different time? No, that was a different time because oh. I was still like on during that was during my work permit. Oh, that's right. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the the problem with me is or in my case is that my student visa was valid for two years, which means it was it expired in two thousand sixteen. So the the visa is important for entering the the U.S. not exiting. So even if your visa expires, you can still stay in the country as long as you have another status, which is, which in my case was a work permit. Okay. The problem with me, with my case, is that if I exit the U.S. and I want to come back, I'll have to reapply for a visa. And so you have to go through that interview yes, process exactly. and all that paperwork and exactly. application fees again. Wow. Absolutely everything again. Mm -hmm. And yeah. in my case, they will say, okay, so you're applying for a student visa because you were there on a student visa, but you came back to your own country. And now you want to go back to the U.S. and you are working there and not studying there. So in some cases, they do give the visa. They say, okay, well, you know, in your case, it seems sort of logical. But in some cases, they say, well, I don't think it's worth it. So even though you have a job here and you are still, you know, like, uh, you know, like you have an apartment here. Because some in some cases, it's happened. <laughs> People have gone back to their own country for some emergency. And then they've reapplied and they've been rejected. And their apartment, their stuff, everything is still here. Wow. And, but they yeah, I think that's a whole other situation too because I guess I was thinking about it from the perspective of if you went to visit your family and mm -hmm. just catch up and stuff right. and, you know, like, norm, you know, just like a family going to see, going to visit relatives or yeah, whatever. exactly. But that is another, that's a whole other thing too. If you have an emergency in your home country and yes. you need to return... Some people don't have a choice. Like they, they need to go back and they, yeah. I'm sure they know that they might not be able to come back, but that's, that's, that's scary. A that yeah, is a risk. That's a huge risk. And especially if you wow. are still, you know, like in the middle of a, you know, like sort of your uh, graduate study, because if your visa was valid for two years, but you're doing a PhD, for example, that will at, the, at a minimum last three years. So if, if, if in the third or fourth year of your PhD you want to go back for some reason and you would come back, then you have to, even though your PhD is still going on, you have everything going on in the U.S., you still have to reapply and you might be rejected in the end. Wow. Which was, um, you know, like that's been something which is, you know, like that's been, uh, you know, like going on for a lot of years. But now it's, it's become a lot more risky because, you know, like it's, the policies have, not the policies, I would say, but it's the... It's sort of the, the pressure from the administration, the government, uh, I think on the U.S. immigration is, or the U.S. Uh, CIS as they call it, the U.S. Customs and Immigration Services, uh, the department that deals with it, like they are a bit more uh, sort of strict on this. So uh, technically they haven't changed any, po any policy as far as I know, but it's a, a lot more uh, uncertain now. So... Uh, in my case, I mean, there was two main reasons I couldn't go back. One was, obviously, I couldn't afford it because, you know, like, I was, I paid for the first two semesters of my study here, which was whatever little savings I had was pretty much burned out. Yeah. Almost burned out uh, in that period. And, um, of course, once I was done with my studies in May 2016, my visa expired the same month. 
so at that point i couldn't go back so even though i had this period where my, i was waiting for waiting to start my job because i was waiting for the work permit but i couldn't go back because if i go back i would risk you know like my my application for work permit would probably be denied because they will say well yeah, you probably. you went back so and like it looks like you're not really interested in working here so uh, i couldn't take that risk and once i started my job then i could have afforded to go back but now i don't have visa so i can't go back <laughs> wow so you haven't had both things at the same time yeah. <laughs> so i i i try to make everything as difficult as possible so but well, luckily how... my family visited Yeah, yes. I know. I was so glad was, they could make it yeah, and was, that they didn't have any trouble. No. Getting, I was a little Because I know they, as you were. They applied this year. Right. And they were nervous. Yeah. Like they I'm were I'm glad they did it anyway though. Yeah, I mean because again you you apply for the visa and you are not there's no refund. Like you apply, you pay yeah, for it. Yeah, that money's gone. That money is you know, like, they, Yeah, at that point they don't care. They they got it and and they yeah. don't care whether you come over or not. So yes, Exactly. They got their money. So it was And then it's out of your hands. I think that's the scariest thing too. Like you you hand it over like you give them the money you give them your application and there's nothing you can do absolutely like whether you come into this country or not mm -hmm. depends on that you know couple people that look at exactly your, yeah and what what mood there happened to be in that day <laughs> it, it could come down could, to that yeah it could come down to that yeah. because you know, like in 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 my case like uh, I sort of circled back to that 2011 uh, yeah. visit so when uh, I I applied with my parents So the three of us went to the interview because they call everybody together. So they asked questions to my father, my mother, and then me. Again, it wasn't a very long interview, but the interesting thing was when the the passports came back. So their stamp was uh, the same, except for in my case there was an additional uh, stamp which said uh, clearance received by Department of Homeland Security. Oh. They didn't get that same stamp. Interesting. They are like my dad was already retired at that point, and my mom was always a housewife. So in in their case, I think they probably weren't really that worried. In my case, there was this additional stamp. So you, your application went through another yeah another I, department. Yeah, longer for my passport to come back. Ah. And those days in between when they got their passport and I had had my passport, the man. Even though they said I'll have my passport, where is my passport? Where is my visa? That's probably scary. Uh, like then I finally got it, and then I saw there was an addition because my passport, uh, my clearance, my background check took longer. Ah, uh, okay. They wanted to make it sure it took another pit stop. Yes, <laughs> and then it said you know like cleared by uh, Department of Homeland Security. Yeah, wow. So you go even with the visit visa, you go through a lot. Yeah, and this is just a visit visa. Yeah. So it, you can stay only for a maximum of six months. Like the visa might be for multiple entry, but at one visit you can only stay for six months. Wow. Any any time you apply for immigration, any time apply for any lengthy work permit type of thing, the process is a lot more. Uh, the vetting process is a lot more strict. So we aren't just letting people into our country. Uh, it's funny to me when somebody says that on, in the media. You know, like we're <laughs> yeah, just letting you, people you in. Yeah, because you know firsthand. You're <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Well, I wish that I've was true. I've been applying my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> letting people in yeah where is this track where is this you know is that through like a different from like the west coast could i have taken that track because i didn't see is it, it through a ship <laughs> like what is this like a, a separate airline which lets you in to the u.s what is your Man, secret i, I need want to find in. that secret yeah, yeah that's, i haven't found that yet but i keep hearing that yeah well i'm certainly glad that you got through and <laughs> You I got into grad school, and that's yes. where we met, and 
it's been now we can start this podcast here yes. and so the it's next stage is to get you to stay yes <laughs> so. no that's that's true i mean yes. like uh, i not that i don't love my country obviously i love my country yeah. but obviously like once you come here then you want to you know like get get the get the best like the us still has the best in terms of engineering in our field like you get exposed to the technology and the the, the research which is cutting edge and the state of the art state of the you know like uh, uh, like it's up to date in my country obviously it won't be as challenging and uh, the job market is not as as you know uh, as good as it is here right now so so while i want don't want to disconnect from completely from my country it, but it's i want to be stay here uh, for the long term so hopefully us immigration will see it the same way <laughs> yes well i certainly want that too <laughs> For you and Absolutely. all the other grad school buds. Yes. <laughs> that would be nice to have everybody here oh, for the long yes. term. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. That's the goal. <laughs> well, I think that's a good place to stop. Yes. I think so too. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you. You're very welcome.